pursuant to the provisions of the Brown Act. As noted on the agenda, members of the public may observe this teleconference meeting via sfgovtv.org and sfgovtv channel 78, and they may offer public comment by calling the publish, publish public comment phone number. I'd like to welcome the members of the public and staff who are watching us on sfgovtv. The commission asks and thanks you for your patience during this unprecedented times. We we respectfully ask the public to have patience and expect delays and gaps during the meeting, particularly during public comment. To eliminate background interference, all panelists and presenters that are presenting via WebEx are asked to mute themselves when not speaking or waiting to present. The San Francisco HSA DOS Commission acknowledges that we are on the unceded and ancestral homelands of the Ramatus Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of San Francisco's peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatus Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as caretakers of this place, as well as for peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatus Ohlone community and by affirming their sovereign rights as first people. Secretary, please take the roll. Thank you, Vice President Spears. Commissioners, please respond with present when I call your name. President Martha Knutson is an excused absence today. Vice President Janet Spears. Present. Commissioner Sasha Bittner. Present. Commissioner Wanda Zhang. Present. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington. Present. Commissioner Nelson Lum. Present. Commissioner Barb Musclar. Present. And Executive Director Kelly Dearman. Present. Thank you. We have a quorum. Commissioners, the next item is item three, communications. We'd like to provide further instructions for the public comment process. Public comment will be available on each item on this agenda and during general public comment. Both channels 78 and SFTV, sfgovtv.org are streaming the numbers across the screen. Each speaker will be allowed three minutes to speak. Comments or opportunities to speak during public comment period are, are available via phone call. During each public comment period, viewers and callers will be instructed to call 1-415-655-0001, access code 2487-525-1206, pound, and then pound again. When connected, you will hear the meeting discussions, but you will be muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up, dial star three to be added to the speaker line. Best practices are to call from a quiet location, speak clearly and slowly, and turn down your television or radio. You will have three minutes to speak. You will be informed by the moderator when you have 30 seconds left. After 30 seconds, you'll be muted and placed back to listening mode. Alternatively, public comment can be submitted by email to ravi.derbige at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the commission and will be included as part of the official docket. Are there any other communications from DOS Commission members? And Commissioner Bitter, no? Okay. Thank you. We can move to the next item. Commissioners, your next item is, is agenda item four, approving the minutes of the Wednesday, March 1st, 2023 DOS Commission minutes meeting. Are there any comments or questions from the commissioners regarding the Wednesday, March 1st, 2023 DOS Commission meeting minutes? 
So we can. I'm going to the next thing. <laughs> do, 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 do. do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment? Is there anyone from the public that wishes to comment? Uh, moderator, can you please check the queue? This is a public comment for the minutes. Are there any comments from the public? Okay, there are no callers in the queue. And that concludes members of the public that would wish to address the commission. And so we can go to so, the I, vote. I, Hearing no uh, further requests, do you see that? Yeah, I think I forgot to ask for a motion, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. You have to ask for the motion now. Okay. So I can have a motion to approve the uh, minutes of Wednesday, March 1st. I move that we approve the minutes from Thank you. There's a motion. And a second. A second. Second. Okay. Um, Mr. Secretary, please take a roll call vote to approve the, the Wednesday, March 1st, 2023 DOS Commission meeting minutes. Vice President <laughs> Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Thank you. Commissioners, your next item is agenda number five, approving the minutes of Wednesday, February 17th, 2023, the joint DOS MOD uh, commission meeting. Are there any comments or questions um, regarding the minutes of Wednesday, February 17th? And do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment? Moderator, do we have any, can you please open the phone lines for public comment? We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? There are no callers, thank you. Bobby, I think um, I'm supposed to ask for the, a motion. Uh, yeah, a motion first and then. Hearing no further requests, do you see that? No. <laughs> yeah, you could. Yeah, you can ask for the okay. for a motion. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Hearing no further requests, may I have a motion to pass the minutes? I move. <laughs> Thank you. We have a motion and a second. Um, Robbie, will you please take the um, the vote? Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Okay, I'm just moving us along. Commissioners, your next item is agenda item six, approving the minutes of Wednesday, February 16th, DOS Special Budget Commission meeting. Are there any comments or questions regarding the, those minutes? Do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on the minutes of February 16th? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? There are no callers, thank you. And we can go ahead and motion to move. Sure. Hearing no further requests to speak on the item, is there a motion to approve the Wednesday, February 17th, 2023, joint so, MOD commission meeting minutes? So moved. Barbara, Commissioner Scalar, moved. Second? Second. Second, Commissioner um, uh, Young. Okay. <laughs> 
Mr. Secretary, please take a roll call vote to approve the Wednesday, February 16th, 2023 DOS special budget meeting minutes. Vice President Janice Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yeah, I wasn't down, but yeah. Okay, thank you. Uh, Commissioner Linda Parker-Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jean, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous decision. Cool. Commissioners, item seven is the executive director's report. Oh, great. Executive Director Kelly Deerman. Thank you so much. Uh, Vice President Spears, um, good morning, everyone. Really happy to see you. And as much as we need the rain, I'm really happy that it's not raining today. Um, so I just have a couple of items. The first one, I just want to thank all DOS staff for carrying out all the wellness calls um, during all these crazy weather, pattern, weather patterns and other things. DOS was um, particularly in APS conservatorship and in IHSS, we're um, calling and making sure that our clients are, um, have everything they need to be able to weather these storms. So thank you for that. Um, secondly, we had um, the um, California Department of Aging came and did their uh, monitoring visit. Um, this, as you all know, this happens um, every four or five years. The last time they came was in 2018. Um, so they were, it all happened virtually except for all of the work that happened beforehand by staff to make sure they got all the documents they needed. Um, I just want to say that the commission and the advisory committee all passed with flying colors and CDA was so happy with who we are and what we do and how we do it. And so it was a really good visit all around. So thank you to all of you and of course another huge thanks to staff. Um, as you all know, we're in a crisis regarding caregivers and the lack of caregivers, and we need caregivers. So the uh, live scan pilot, which I believe I've talked about before, um, has started at the um, public authority, and that removes one barrier and allows um, folks who want to be caregivers can get uh, fingerprinted for free. And um, so... We're really excited. We'll keep you updated as the pilot proceeds to let you know how many people are taking advantage of this and if it is moving the needle at all, which we hope it will. Uh, lastly, um, next week, no, in two weeks is um, National Healthcare Decisions Day, which is April 17th. And I, along uh, with Annie Chung from Self-Help for the Elderly, we are co-chairs of San Francisco's um, Palliative Care Work Group. And we're having a press conference in honor of National Healthcare Decisions Day um, at the outdoor plaza of Lady Shaw Senior Housing so that we can talk about the critical importance of all aspects of serious illness care, so advanced care planning, and palliative care for all of San Franciscans. The goal for the palliative care work group is that every person in San Francisco would have an advanced health care directive. So we're doing this press conference on the 17th. That will be followed by um, several workshops around the city, um, which I'm happy to give you guys more information 
uh, where folks can come and learn more about advanced health care directives and how to build them out. That is all I have for now. Everything else I think will be taken care of through the agenda. Thank you. Commissioners, item number eight is the DOS employee recognition. Executive Director Dearman and I will, uh, we'd like to honor Lisa Leoe, uh, who is the division clerk at DOS. Yay. So um, Lisa has been the foundation of the administrative team for many years as the division clerk under the public administrator, public guardian, public conservator, and representative payee. She has been consistent, reliable, and has a great attitude even throughout the pandemic when she needed to come to the office to perform essential duties. She has helped onboard new staff and always brightens up the office with her smile and responsiveness. Because she does... Yeah. I know it's really awkward. <laughs> <laughs> but we're just gonna, I'm just gonna, you know, say all these great things and you're just gonna stand there and take, and take it all in. <laughs> take them in. Because she does so much for us, we want to affirm and support her as well. This public acknowledgement is validation of the DOS mission and values that you personify and of our deep appreciation and gratitude to you. Here's a snippet from her supervisor, Michelle Lewis, and everyone echo echoes these sentiments. To say Lisa is a gem is an understatement. She is one of our strongest employees. She is effective, efficient, and dependable. She provides unwavering support and is well-liked and highly respected by her colleagues. She is experienced and skilled in all areas of her job. She is in a category of her own. She trains and mentors all incoming clerks. She has also participated on interview panels for the hiring of new clerks. Our division is made infinitely better by Lisa's initiative and willingness to step up when she's needed. I feel privileged to serve as Lisa's supervisor. She's a tremendous asset to our team. She not only handles her clerical duties, but she leads the charge to archive all of our cases. Because half of our division cases are administered through probate law, there is more to closing a case than putting a case file on a shelf. She receives meticulous directions from our probate attorneys and other legal staff as well and records the information in accordance with the California State Probate Code. She manages challenges with professionalism and maturity. Our units are fast-paced and Lisa leads the team as a senior staff member, including processing the mail, managing time-sensitive legal documents and referrals, inputting data into our case management program, and sending death notices to government agencies, among other duties. Her ability to balance collegial relationships with all of her other responsibilities is more than admirable. It's amazing. So when we think of the employee of the month, we think of many of our colleagues who are worthy. We all go above and beyond at DOS to do an extraordinary job for the department and our clients, but still, Lisa comes to mind first. Her resilience, selflessness, and her commitment to doing a great job resonates with your supervisor, Michelle Lewis, and all of us here who are here to congratulate you. So congratulations. I just wanted to thank all my friends, coworkers. Thank you for everything and for the kind words. I appreciate all of you. Thank you. 
we been on the phone? Thank you so much. This is by far the, our favorite part as commissioners, <laughs> is to hear firsthand about what actually happens in the, in the division and the department. So thank you so much and uh, appreciate your, uh, your work and everything that's at being done. Um, it's really nice when your colleagues uh, lift you up and, and say that they couldn't work without you. So thank you so much. <clears throat> so now on to the other business. <laughs> Commissioners, item number nine is the Advisory Council report presented by the Advisory Council President, Diane Lawrence. Good morning, Commissioners, Executive Director Dearman. I'm going to keep this short since I missed two of the meetings that I'm uh, reporting on due to illness. And I just want to sh uh, thank Ravi for taping the uh, Advisory Council meeting so I was able to prepare the report. So first, Vice President Margaret Graff um, led the meeting brilliantly, and she will also cover the April meeting as I will be traveling. Um, pretty much outlined everything that was covered. Um, I think um, I wanted to point out the site visit report. I thought there were some interesting uh, points. Juliet um, Rothman, who prepared it, um, also coordinates our site visits to make sure we're getting to as many places as we can, but she always finds some interesting tidbits. Um, the other thing is Juliet has been working very hard to make sure that um, the websites got updated by this um, organization, and she got it done. <laughs> I think it was the Friday before our meeting. Um, so that's pretty much um, what we have to report. Our guest speaker was put off until June due to COVID. Okay, are there questions from, any comments or questions from the commission regarding the advisory council uh, report and our and the written report that we had? Okay, I can't, Robbie, I can't see. Um, Next item, item 10. No, okay, I just want to make sure there weren't any online. Oh, no, I, I could see okay. Commissioner Bittner. No. Thank you, thank you very no. much. Um, commissioners, item number 10 is the joint ledge TAC report also presented by advisory council president Diane Lawrence. So I also missed the joint ledge meeting. Um, there was not a quorum actually at either meeting due to funerals, meetings, and illness. Um, most of the bills that are going through are non-substantive changes. So we'll continue to see it refine as we move close, <clears throat> closer to the end of this session and we get closer to the um, finalization of the bills <coughs> for final vote and approval and signature hopefully by the governor. One thing I did want to point out and it also comes out of my TAC report, a lot of discussion around virtual meetings, updating Bagley Keene, updating uh, the Brown Act um, to bring us editorial comment into the 21st century. Very important, <laughs> very important. And we'll Are have more information as they work through the process so we know which are the bills that we really want to support and advocate for. Wonderful. Are there any comments or questions from the commissioners? I do. Um, is there somewhere 
that you can refer us to that we can follow the bills? Sure, you can go to the Cal Legislature, I think, information. If you type in Google search Cal Legis California Legislature, it'll let you follow. You can put in the bill by the House. Um, I can send the link to Robbie and have him share it with, with all of you. And then you can sign up, actually, for for bill updates if you want them. But if you don't know the bill number, for instance. Neil, then your best bet is Nick. there's a... Um, you can put in keywords. Uh -huh. Sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Okay. Um, having looked one up, because sometimes there's old legislation in there or there's a bill that's got one title and by the time it gets to the end of the session, yeah. it's a whole different operation because they've got the bill and put and other we can information. Just depend on you. But if there's a particular <laughs> one, let Ravi know and we'll make sure it gets on our list. What we can do as well, too, is um, I could send you a link to the joint ledge minutes which highlights the uh, bills and the name, um, a, a brief description of the bill. Okay. Right. Yeah, Thanks. which is, should be part of my report. <coughs> All right. Thank you. Are there any other questions? We're good. Thank you, Diana. I hope uh, you feel better. And, uh, I'm, you're I on think the I'm almost you're on there. The <laughs> <laughs> and then the TAC report we met, and I think I gave you a pretty detailed um, update, so... You have, I did put in a summary of what TAC is. Um, basically, since I haven't done that in a while, I thought it was a good refresher for everybody. Okay. No, that was very helpful. Very helpful. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Commissioners, item 11 is the case report presented by Daniel Gallagher. Good morning, Commissioners and Executive Director Dearman. It's great to see you all again. Nice to be seen. Um, continuing our uh, mission of learning and experience and advocacy, I'm going to report on case programming and its activities. So in March, um, time, this Time Slips organization uh, presented um, a way of communicating with older adults and persons experiencing isolation and cognitive challenges through uh, creative communication and practices. Really um, interesting and informative presentation, which um, really uh, talked about uh, meeting people where they are and where they are and uh, emotionally, mentally, and, um, and, and really not forcing conversations. And, and having people feel uncomfortable that way. So it was really an enlightening um, presentation. We were really happy to have that. I included the link um, there for, um, for a training if you ha uh, wish to review that. In April, Ian Rett, who's currently researching and writing a book called The Balance Score, The Missing Metric for Modern Times, uh, is presenting The Balance Score. And basically, um, that is focusing on the, the balance of well-being and work with an organization's employees and, um, and really balancing the, the priorities in their professional, personal, and spiritual life. So we look forward to that. I think we can all agree that a work-life balance is uh, really important, especially during these times. And in May, the uh, good folks at Open House will present their program to encourage active re and rewarding lives or pearls 
which is a community-based option for addressing depression, isolation, and loneliness amongst older adults. Um, and uh, Pearls is a peer-based model where coaches use problem-solving, activity planning, and connection to additional community resources as tools to help participants develop the skills they need for self-sufficiency. So that'll be our May presentation. So a couple of nice uh, and informative presentations coming up in April and May. Case activity, um, case was supporting the service provider working group in, its, uh, in this process, and its uh, participation in the process of the service allocation plan. Um, a service provider working group requested and received a, a finance budget overview in the last uh, oversight and advisory commission meeting, um, took part in the service and, and allocation uh, plan final report um, after issuing our comments in the February 27th oversight and advisory committee. And I highlighted those again here because we find these to be really important comments for the forthcoming service and allocation plan. Um, especially with the COD B, um, it's, it's pretty clear that about 65% of the new allocations is allocated to COD B, um, which uh, uh, really makes it seem like there'll be less funding for new services as we move forward, and especially as we look into this next current, or the next budget year with a projected uh, budget deficit. Um, we are um, most worried about that. Um, there is some traction on, on our comment about the need for uh, behavioral mental health supports. We're in uh, preliminary discussions with DOS on this now. Um, obviously, there's no commitment to that but DOS is really uh, interested in, in hoping to move this forward where we can provide behavioral mental health services in the community where people are, once again, um, at, at various um, senior uh, community centers. So we are, we're happy to move that forward and, and hopefully it'll come to fruition. Um, I think those are the biggest highlights I wanted to make on the service provider working group um, allocation plans um, or the comments around the service and allocation plan. Um, we're, we're still a little bit concerned about the length and time it takes to get funding out the door, um, but that has improved over time. And um, And that would really be the highlights and the things that we most want to uh, uh, highlight, I'm sorry, um, with our comments around the service allocation plan. Um, and, and lastly, again, I just gave you a broad view of the budget advocacy. We, we plan on, on paring that down as we move forward. But the biggest piece of that right now that we're focused on is the behavioral health uh, advocacy that we're doing case in the service provider working group and, and probably the dignity fund as well. Yeah, behavioral health. Thank, Thank you, you. Much. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Gallagher. Are there comments or questions from the commission? Any comments or questions? Hearing none, we'll move to the next item. Thank you very much. Thank you, commissioners. <coughs> Thank you. Commissioners, item 12 is public comment an opportunity for members of the public to address the commission on matters that are not on today's calendar. Are there any members of the public that would like to address the commission today? Please come forward. So you'll have three minutes. Welcome. Yeah, 
Um, I'll give you a, a 30 second warning. Sound good? That sounds great. Thank okay. you. Please. Good morning, commissioners. Good morning, Executive Director Dearman. My name is Andy Burns. I am the Director of Participant Engagement at the San Francisco Marin Food Bank. And I am here today to talk about the Home Delivered Groceries Program and our pantry programs that reach thousands and thousands of seniors and adults with disabilities in San Francisco. And I'm here to talk about the impending challenges we face with funding and maintaining the reach of our uh, senior-directed programming uh, in the face of the drying up of COVID funding. So uh, I've been with the Home Delivered Groceries Program since its inception, and I've seen it grown from 400 deliveries a week in 2015 to about 11,000 per week uh, currently, and that's to seniors and adults with disabilities. Um, some of that, uh, the bulk of the, the the bulk of the growth in the program occurred during the COVID crisis, the early months of the COVID crisis, where we rapidly we built a whole infrastructure to make deliveries to uh, uh, bulk numbers of uh, seniors and adults with disabilities. That was supported by funding programming. That need is still there. We are still making those deliveries, but the funding is dried up. We are facing, but, uh, excuse me, service cutbacks uh, in the future that are going to impact seniors and adults with disabilities in San Francisco uh, without additional support. I'm bringing it to the attention of you all. DOS has been a wonderful collaborative partner with us over the last uh, eight years in home delivered groceries with the support of the DOS Commission. And I want to say thank you, but it's important that you all know that we are facing uh, service cutbacks that uh, are going to impact seniors and adults with disabilities. Um, thank you, Commissioners. Thank you, Executive Director Dearman. Thank you. Thank you very much for your comments. Is there anyone else who would like to make a public comment today? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We'll allow some time for callers to submit the request. Moderator, do we have someone in the queue right now? Okay, uh, you can let them go and I can start the timer. Hello? Hello. I'm going to start the, uh, can you uh, hear me? Yes, I can. Uh, my name is Francisco da Costa, and I would like to bring to the attention of the Disability and Aging Services Commission that there are thousands, I'll repeat, thousands of seniors and those suffering from disability that no outreach has been done. I've been uh, listening to all your agenda items, and normally, according to the Brown Act, there should be public comments. It's very difficult for you all to uh, ramble about these items, and then from somebody at the end to give a public comment. So now the governor, he wants to have centers where those seniors and those suffering from disability can go to these centers. And we need DAS to participate actively on behalf of San Franciscans. I repeat, there are thousands of our citizens, San Franciscans, 
No outreach has been done to them. And we need uh, the empirical data. In other words, DAS should be audited by the actions, not by the talk. So some of our advocates are put in dire straits. We have to dip deep into our own pockets to help the seniors by contacting attorneys, especially those seniors who are suffering from dementia. And our mayor and our board of supervisors don't, don't give a damn. They just talk. You all just talk. We cannot allow our seniors who have contributed so much to San Francisco to slowly die, to slowly be thrown on the streets. Greedy landlords just evicting them. This is going on all over San Francisco. And we are doing nothing about it. Caller, you do not. My name is Francisco Acosta. Caller, I just want to let you know you have 30 seconds left. I'm ready to talk to y'all. Thank you very much. Thank you, caller. Moderator, do we have any other callers in the queue? Uh, There's no more callers. Okay. Uh, Next item. Uh, That concludes members of the public, and we can move to the next item. Commissioners, your next item is item 13, old business. Commissioners, please indicate by raising your hand if there's any old business that you'd like to discuss. Uh, No. Okay, we can move to the next item. Okay. These items constitute consent agendas and are considered to be routine by the Disability and Aging Services Commission and will be acted upon by a single vote of the commission. There will be no separate discussion of these items unless a member of the commission or the public so requests in which event the matter will be removed from the consent calendar and considered a separate item. There are four items. I have them. Here we go. I need to read each of these. You can just read a brief description of it. Sure. So consent item agenda A is for Grantee Institute on Aging, um, an uh, initial amount of $670,197, an additional amount of $2,269, a contingency of two. 26,731 for the term of 7-1-2019 through 6-30-2023. It is the source of funding is general and its effective date is 4-1-2023. Consent item B, another item for Institute on Aging, um, original amount 366,300, additional amount of 1,491, a contingency of 27,509, not to exceed 395,300. The source of funding is general. The term is from 7-1-2020 through 6-30-2024 with an effective date of 4-1-2023. This additional amount is added based on the 2022-23 Uh, cost of uh, doing business to the adult day program for older adults and adults with disabilities. Consent 
item C as in cat is for Institute on Aging with an original amount of $379,500, an additional amount of $50, a contingency of $28,950, not to exceed $408,500. The term is from 7-1-2020 through 6-30-2024 with an effective date of 4-1-2023. This additional amount adds to the cost of doing business to the Alzheimer's daycare daycare res, uh, resource centers for older adults and adults with disability program. And finally, consent agenda items, self-help for the elderly. Um, the original amount is $801,031, an additional amount of $5,192, not to exceed $806,223. The source is general funding. The term is from 7-1-2018 to 6-30-2023 with an effective date of 4-1-2023. This additional funding is for the fiscal year 2022-23 for self-help for the elderly residential care facility um, autumn glow. Those are the four consent items, um, commissioners. Vice President Spear, I think on under C that there is a, a typo under additional amount. It must be more than fifty dollars. Under C, four hundred and fifty dollars probably. Oh, the amount of fifty. Right. Says fifty dollars. I think it's a, a typo. Yeah. So we just found it to correct it for the record. Yeah. I don't. I'll note it for the record. Okay, yeah. you'll correct that and for the I'll, record. I'll have that um, sent back out with the updated amount. With the minutes, is that how we will do that? Yeah. Can we approve it as it stands? Or as it's corrected? Sorry. We can approve it if we need to put it back for next month's consent. I'll find out. Okay. Right. Yep. We'll move forward with the consent agenda? Mm -hmm. Is that what you're asking me? Yep. Okay. Commissioners, will you indicate if, if you wish to comment on the item which we just did? Um, <clears throat> um, Mr. Secretary, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on this item? Is there anyone from the public who wishes to comment on the consent agenda? Hello, Commissioner. My name is Tim Bell. I'm a contracts manager from HSA. Um, I want to mention about the consent agenda C. The amount of $50 is correct. It is correct. Yeah, yes, because due to the um, cost of doing business, that was the difference of $50. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. For Thank, you. Thank you for that clarification. We won't have a problem then. Um, Let me, um, and is there anyone? On the phone line. For, uh, moderator, can you please open the phone line for public comment? We'll allow some time for callers to submit the request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? And there are no callers in the queue. So we can go to the vote. I'm going to my next page. <laughs> so, it's a long This concludes there. the members of the public that wish to address the commission under this item. And I would like to, uh, hearing no other comments, um, look for a motion for the April. I move that we approve the consent items A through C. Yeah. Thank you very much. Second. Second. We have a, a, a move and a second. Uh, Mr. Secretary, please take the roll call vote. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bidner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Thank you. 
Commissioners, the next item is item 15, new business. Items A and B are informational only. Items 14C through 14K are action items that will require a vote by the commission. Uh, the first item is item 14A, a presentation of the review of the fiscal year 2023-2024 area plan update for the California Department of Aging. This is informational only. DOS Commission, oh. DOS Executive Director Kelly Dearman and Adithi oh. Bellore will present this item. Yeah, do you mind? I can do that. I can. Do you? I just don't think that we have the right dongle. Oh, got it. Okay, let me, That's the, the report. I need the slide deck. Mm-hmm. One second. Hey, it's Ravi at the DOS Commission. Hey, can you, um, I'm looking to share my screen through <coughs> Is that possible through Teams? Or would, it have, would I have to do it through the desktop?
We have two items like this, Kelly, to present. Okay. It's Ravi. Okay, how would I go about doing that? Do I need to? Oh, I am. I am. Okay, hold on. I'm joining the webinar right now. That's what it was. I wasn't joining. I think I got it. Yeah, yeah. You see it? All right. Thanks. All right, got it. Thanks. But okay, I think it should be. Yeah, there we go. You got it? Yeah. Yay. Okay, thank you so much. Woo! All right. Um, thanks for your patience while we dealt with those technical issues. Good morning, uh, Vice President Spears and Commissioners. My name is Aditi Valor. I'm an analyst with the Human Services Agency Planning Unit. And along with Executive Director Dearman, I'm here today to present on a draft of the Area Agency on Aging Area Plan Update for fiscal year 2023-24. This presentation is the second of two public hearings on the area plan update, the first of which we did at the last uh, advisory council meeting. Um, and this update will provide the opportunity for the public to comment on the report's development and content. I'll begin by sharing a brief overview of the update purpose and process, especially since we have some new commissioners um, since we did this last, and then move on to key highlights from the report along with Director Dearman. All right, Ravi, can we go to the slide, please? There it goes. Just maybe it's just a little slow. There we go. There it goes. Yeah. All right. So as I mentioned, I'll provide an overview of the update process and then cover a couple of section highlights for you. So the purpose of the area plan is to meet an Older Americans Act requirement. All area agencies on aging are required to submit a four-year area plan to the California Department on Aging. Our most recent four-year area plan covers the period from fiscal year 21 through fiscal year 24. And in each subsequent year, we're expected to provide an update on the activities of the department and our area agency on aging, which is DOS. Um, the purpose of that plan is to assess demographic trends and population needs, 
um, to outline the ways in which DOS will use Older Americans Act funding to support seniors with greatest economic and social needs and to support a coordinated system-wide response to address identified needs. Um, as I mentioned, that update is developed in interim years, so I'm here to present the last update in this four-year cycle. I'll be coming back to you next year to present a whole new area plan for the next four years. Um, we have a few different strategic planning processes in DOS, and so I also just wanted to help put this process in context of some of the other work that we do to think about um, community needs and how we plan to address them. So we've brought these various plans forward to this body before. We have our agency-wide human services agency strategic plan, which establishes agency-wide goals across our Department of Benefits and Family Support, as well as DOS, um, for the next five years. And this is a, a document that we prepare um, under the, the guidance of the mayor's office and agency leadership. Um, and it's also supplemented specifically in DOS with our annual reports that we prepare, um, revisiting achievements and work over the past year and really breaking down um, those five-year strategic goals and strategies into annualized actions so you can understand what we will be really focusing on and prioritizing across all of our programs um, over the coming year. Um, we present that annual report early each fiscal year. Um, so we'll be coming back to you in a few months to talk a little bit about our planned activities for 23-24 and some of our achievements over the past year. Um, you're also very familiar now with the Dignity Fund planning cycle, which happens on a four-year basis, assessing community needs and outlining funding and programming strategies um, most recently in our Dignity Fund Services and Allocation Plan, um, which my colleague Melissa will be uh, sharing with you uh, later during this agenda. Um, just for context also, and to give you a sense of scale, right, the Dignity Fund is um, uh, a, a larger body of funding that we have compared to Older Americans Act dollars um, to address needs and programming in our community. Um, we have approximately $96 million in funding through uh, for Dignity Fund eligible services. The area plan speaks specifically to Older Americans Act dollars, but we've taken a more expansive view because our services are supported by more than just state and federal funding. Um, and we have a great deal of local revenue that supports our programming. Um, so by contrast, we get about $7 million in Older Americans Act dollars to um, really direct to our programs and services. So you will note that this area plan report covers and describes our services in a more holistic way and does not just narrowly focus on the scope of those $7 million. So that's the main thing to take away from this um, comparison and a way to understand the area plan in context of our um, sort of broader, more comprehensive needs assessment and um, planning processes. Can we get to the right? Oh. Back to a different slide. Catch that we weren't um, following along. Can we go down to slide six? Tell me why. I don't see the numbers online. Okay, keep going. Perfect. Oh, that one, okay. So as I mentioned, we're currently in the four-year area plan cycle for fiscal years 21 through 24. 
This is the last area plan update that I will bring to you for this cycle, and it describes our activities over the past year and our plans for the coming fiscal year. Next slide. Um, just to give you a brief sense of timeline for how this process unfolds, typically the state releases their guidance about the contents of this uh, area plan update in December. The state was a little late in releasing their guidance this year. Um, they, they let us know in about late February what they would expect to see. We went ahead and kicked off our process with the advisory council um, in January, though, um, have presented this draft report to the advisory council in March uh, 15, and that was our first public setting where folks could provide comment on the report. I'm coming to the commission today to present this draft. We'll come back to the advisory council with revisions and additional uh, content that reflect the public commentary um, at the advisory council meeting later this month where they'll vote to approve this document and then I'll come back to this body in May. Um, and at that time, um, we will approve and submit the document to the state um, in, in line with their May deadline. All right, so that covers process. I'm gonna move on to talk a little bit about some key highlights from the report and then pass the mic over to Director Dearman to talk some about the activities that we'll be uh, undertaking this year. Can we go to the next slide, please? Population estimates. So just to give you some context about what we see among older adults in San Francisco, we have almost 190,000 estimated seniors age 60 and older in San Francisco. This population is primarily Asian Pacific Islander and white. Um, but I do wanna note that for seniors living in poverty, we see disproportionate representation of communities of color, most particularly African Americans in red, um, who constitute about 6% of seniors generally, but 10% of seniors living in poverty, um, and a, a less uh, significant disparity, but still notable, about 9% of Latinx individuals, um, seniors generally, um, and about 11% of those living in poverty. API community is also slightly overrepresented relative to their share of seniors generally. Next slide, please. We've projected anticipated service levels in this report um, for the next fiscal year, and I just wanted to uh, cover a, key a couple of highlights in this area. Um, we've seen increases in anticipated service levels for programs like our personal care, homemaker and chore services, as well as home delivered meals, congregate meals, and nutrition education. Some of this work represents um, sort of a rebound from COVID era reductions in service. Um, with congregate meals, for example, we are preserving and continuing the flexibility of our to-go meals programs and so have estimated increased service levels that correspond to that. Um, in terms of areas of decrease, we see some decreases in services for nutrition counseling, legal assistance, and health promotion. These decreases generally have to do with changes in service models or um, challenges that we're facing with service providers. We've lost one of our service providers in our legal assistance program, for instance, and are working to sort of recover um, and get back on track with the service levels that we'd like to be providing. 
Um, we see limited or no change with our other programs listed on this slide. Our long-term care ombudsman program is largely steady. Family caregiver support program, our services will remain steady, as will transportation, information assistance, and elder abuse prevention. At this time, I'm gonna hand the mic over to Director Dearman to talk a little bit more in detail about some of the key activities that we'll be undertaking this year. Excellent. Thank you um, so much. Um, so, um, ooh, um, so, you're gonna bring it back up, right? Yeah, they, I don't know why they took it down. I don't know why, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, okay, so as you all know, we have um, five goals. I'm gonna go through each of these goals and just give you one um, example of um, what, we're, what we're doing so that you all get a better understanding of where these goals fit in with our um, actions. Okay, next slide, please. So goal one, um, to maintain a robust network of community-based services for older people and adults with disabilities. I'm gonna focus here on our generational, our intergenerational program pilots have demonstrated tremendous success and impact in the community. Um, these are provided by six community-based partners. These programs include technology classes and tutoring sessions, activities focused on cultural exchange between our diverse participants, and tailored activities for individuals with visual impairment. As current grant terms for our pilots end, we're working to procure, procure these services anew and continue the successful programming in close partnership with our providers. Next slide, please. So goal two is to protect older people and adults with disabilities from abuse, neglect, and financial exploitation. So although the Home Safe pilot program was initially intended to run for two years from July 2019 to June 2021, the state has since extended the pilot through June 30th, 2025, with expanded funding and increased flexibility for the use of these funds. In response to the extension and expansion of the Home Safe pilot, we launched a new service model to support housing transitions for individuals experiencing homelessness, in addition to continuing our existing work in homelessness prevention. <clears throat> We launched this new model in May 2022 in close partnership with our local Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing and the Department of Public Health. Under this model, we identify older and disabled adults living in congregate shelter settings who exhibit very high clinical needs, facilitate housing navigation and move into nursing supported, permanent supportive housing and provide case management for an additional three to four months to ensure the client's ongoing stability in their new um, permanent housing. To date, HomeSafe has served 200, over 200 clients and will continue to provide both homelessness prevention and housing transition services to APS clients in need over the coming year. Next slide, please. Goal three is to provide and support consumer-centered programming to best address client need. So equity considerations and culturally relevant programming remain a priority for DOS. <clears throat> Our TGNC programs provide meaningful support for transgender and gender nonconforming clients and show great impact. More than 90% of program clients report having increased opportunities for positive social interaction. 
As our pilot grant terms conclude, DOS will reestablish grants to ensure continuity of these essential services. DOS is also currently procuring a service provider to implement a disability cultural community center, a process informed by two community listening sessions held in early 2023. We'll begin the implementation process later this year. <clears throat> Next slide, please. Goal four is to expand planning and evaluation efforts to ensure best use of resources and maximize client outcomes. In April 2022, DOS completed the Dignity Fund Community Needs Assessment, which identifies areas of unmet need for San Francisco's older adults and people with disabilities. We conducted extensive community research and prepared a quantitative equity analysis based on program administrative data to develop nine high-level findings and corresponding recommendations for addressing community needs. We then developed a services and allocation plan informed by these findings. Um, published in March 2023, this plan outlines the department's program and funding priorities for the next four years. And in the coming year, we'll begin implementation of this plan. And you'll hear more about the services and allocation plan next. Next slide, please. Finally, uh, goal five is to support and develop an engaged professional workforce that is prepared to work with older people and adults with disabilities. DOS training provides extensive training opportunities for department staff, community providers, and other partners. Trainings include monthly presentations by the DOS Benefits and Resource Hub, which provide an overview of the DOS service network and other disability and aging resources. Another highlight is our collaboration with the University of California, San Francisco Geriatric Workforce Enhancement Program, through which we have offered multiple trainings on topics including dementia, substance use in older adults, ageism, lessons learned from COVID-19, and care provider burnout prevention. We also have continued our partnership with the Institute on Aging to offer multiple elder abuse prevention and mandated reporter trainings throughout the year. To reach a wider audience, we began offering this training in Chinese. <clears throat> in, in 2023, we will provide these training opportunities supported by interpretation services in Chinese, Spanish, Russian, Vietnamese, and Filipino. In the coming year, we will also offer, offer several enhanced elder abuse prevention trainings with deeper dives into topics like financial scams and sexual assault. So that just gives you high-level overview of some of the things that we are doing. Next slide, please. <coughs> I'll turn it back over to Adithi. Okay. All right. So at this point, um, we can open the floor for discussion. Any questions you have? So, commissioners, are there questions um, regarding the area plan? I have just another sure. Not a question, but just like an observation. Um, and I really appreciate seeing this because, you know, I'm in learning mode, so, you know, nothing but questions from me. Um, and one of the things that I'm, I'm really appreciating about the approach is the intergenerational um, uh, connections mm -hmm. and the power of, uh, you know, bringing young people and elders and people with disabilities together which uh, has so many benefits, um, you know, in terms of wisdom transfer, knowledge transfer, experience, and then uh, for the youth, uh, creation of empathy, which is a life skill. 
that takes us a long way. So I just wanted to say I just got really excited about the potential for that, um, as well as job creation. You know, I am a businesswoman, so I think about creating jobs and stimulating um, opportunities for young people to work and to see people working. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to make those observations. I, I love everything I saw, so, so thank you. Thank you so much. I, I just have one question. Um, can you speak to us about where behavioral health is within this plan, or is it more is it covered more within the um, Dignity Fund plan that we'll see later? Yeah, so that's a, that's a great question. Behavioral health is not really um, going to be something that you see in detail in this plan. Mm -hmm. um, we do have uh, programs in DAS that address issues of mental and behavioral health, but this is primarily within the scope of the Department of Public Health. Um, so generally, our programs are addressing these issues from a social services lens. Uh, we have suicide prevention programming, uh, a series of programs that address social isolation in, in a variety of ways, and it's sort of attendant mental health issues. Our Dignity Fund Services and Allocation Plan is actually somewhere where we take up a question of mental and behavioral health okay. in a little bit greater um, scope mm -hmm. um, because the area plan is so focused on Older Americans Act funded programming. Um, and while we've tried to widen the scope to speak more generally to DOS programs, I think you'll see a little bit more of that in the okay. FAP. Okay, that's what I was thinking, but I wasn't hmm. sure. Um, I have a question. Sure. Um, you're speaking to the the workforce training that the director Deerman spoke about. Mm -hmm. So this is a this refers to a series of trainings that um, our DOS training lead and UCSF are collaborating on to provide to our service provider network to address issues sort of facing older adults that we might be serving in our client populations. So the workforce enhancement that this refers to is improving capacity to address the, the issues that are a part of the training series. Um, and the, the report speaks in more detail about some examples of the kinds of courses that are, are offered through that series. Um, I had a question, it's just, it's just ended. Maybe now with teeth funds, but with other funds, like um, disability training for UCSF staff because mm, there's so much ableism in the medical field. So sorry, Commissioner Bittner, I didn't catch all of your question, but I, I heard the piece around anti-ableism training and how that maybe fits in. Yeah, for UCSF staff. And I know that probably isn't from this part of money, but have you ever thought about doing that? So I think DOS is taking up anti-ableism work um, sort of independent of some of the collaborations with UCSF. I can't speak to that, but I'm certain I, I can follow up with our training lead 
to yeah, learn a little bit more. I know, I know about, I know about family what's going on, but I think it would be really good to explore specifically with you, CSF, ableism, and maybe maybe not with this money, but with some money. Anyway. But otherwise, it was a wonderful report. Thank you. Yeah, I'll take that feedback back. Thank you. <laughs> um, we can move to public Are there comment. any other questions from the commission? Or statements? Um, Secretary, can you ask for any public comment? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on the review of the FY 2023-24 area plan update for the California Department of Aging? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment for the review of the area plan. We allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Yes, there's one. Okay, you can patch them through, please. And you can let them know they'll have three minutes. Oh, you can't unmute the person. Um, are you not a, let me, I'll add you one second. Okay, can you, uh, can you unmute them now? Give me one second. Moderator, can you do it now? I assigned you the co-host. She's actually, un can you give us one second? She's trying to unmute a person, hang on.
Okay. There we go. Sorry about that. Um, does that work now, moderator? Can you can you unmute that person? Okay, you can patch them through. Okay. Um, let me make it very clear what's happening in San Francisco. When it comes to our seniors, we need to pay attention to what happened to Laguna Honda. These presentations are null and void if do not have if they do not have holistic actions. This presentation should go before a commander like FEMA who understands emergency services as they pertain to our elders. Our elders are dying from dementia, from not taking their medication, from being evicted. And this, are, this is not about workforce where, you know, you can work with somebody. These are people that need wraparound services. So these presentations are fluff when we don't have wraparound services where we can say, y'all say 169,000. 40% of 860,000 suffering from mental challenges, out of which 30% suffer from dementia, more because of the pandemic. And if you follow the presentation, there has been no focus. They're just starting up to three years, getting UCSF involved, and UCSF is getting involved because the state is funding some money. But while the feds give us a lot of money, stimulus money, we didn't use it carefully. Let us not mix the seniors and those with disability with the addiction. And with San Francisco Health Department and the Wellness Department, which has failed us. So you all need to talk to an expert, like a commander, who understands how these things are with goals and timelines, and not BS presentations which say a lot but mean nothing. People are dying. We haven't been, this should have been done two years ago or three Caller, years ago. You have 30 People seconds are dying. Left. People are dying. The caller's ended. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Okay, thank you. No more callers, and we can move to the vote. 
Uh, this was an information item only. Oh, yeah. So Sorry. hearing no further um, requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Thank you so very much Thank for you. presenting, and um, we'll look forward to hearing the final uh, draft or final report um, in May. Thanks. Commissioners, the next item um, is item 14B, the presentation of the Dignity Fund Services and Allocation Plan for FY2023-24 to fy twenty. 26 to 27 funding cycle presentation. This uh, once again is an information only item and this will be presented by Melissa McGee. Thank you. Came right up. Yay. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> okay. Good morning. Um, Vice President Spears, Commissioners, Director Dearman. My name is Melissa McGee. I'm a program manager with the Office of Community Partnerships at DOS. So thank you for the opportunity to present this information about the services and allocation plan for fiscal years 23-24 through 26-27. I'll be doing double duty with the slides. Um, so first, just to go over the agenda briefly, um, some information on the background and planning process. Um, the key priorities identified for fiscal year 23-24 to fiscal year 26-27 There's an error on the agenda, sorry, skipping the review of the findings. And then the services and funding allocations uh, for the period, and then information about tracking progress and measuring success. Okay, first some information about background and planning. So within the city of San Francisco, the Department of Disability and Aging Services is a government agency charged with coordinating services for older adults, veterans, people with disabilities, and their families to maximize safety, health, and independence. And each year, DOS serves over 70,000 unduplicated clients directly through our department programs and through partnerships with community-based organizations. With an overall budget of $483 million in fiscal year 22-23, DOS is supported by a staff of 439 employees and contracts with over 60 community organizations to deliver services. The Dignity Fund was established as a charter amendment passed by San Francisco voters as Proposition I in 2016. And the Dignity Fund has three components, which are outlined on the slide. First, it creates this special fund, the Dignity Fund. This requires uh, annual city contribution. It started with a $38 million baseline in 2016, which will grow by $33 million over the period of 10 years. And this also uh, allows unspent funding to roll into the following fiscal year. Next, it established the planning and allocation process. So this includes the Dignity Fund Community Needs Assessment, which was completed last year, and the service and allocation plan. 
And thirdly, it creates the Oversight and Advisory Committee made up of members, some from this commission, who advise the department on allocation plans and various activities. They, the OAC, as it's called, is advised by the service, and service Providers Working Group, which is made up of representatives from the various community organizations, as well as other people. So the legislation um, established a four-year planning cycle. So to give um, context of where we are, last year, fiscal year 21-22, uh, was the first year of our current planning cycle. And it, that uh, began with the Dignity Fund Community Needs Assessment. Currently, we're in 22-23, and we've completed the service and allocation plan which we're talking about today, which outlines our funding strategies for the next four-year period. So the, oh, and then just FYI, for your information, the cycle then will begin again in fiscal year 25-26 with another large-scale comprehensive community needs assessment. Okay, the to, uh, 2022 Dignity Fund Community Needs Assessment. So our goals with the um, needs assessment were to gather community needs through a particip participatory process with many opportunities for participation from community members, service providers, other interested parties. Uh, during this process, our goal is to gather as much information, robust and useful information on community needs, especially in light um, last year when we did it in light of the effects and changes of the COVID-19 pandemic on our community. Um, and then the needs assessment supports the development of the service and allocation plan for, the, for this four-year period. Okay, so we um, the the so we developed initially um, when we started the Dignity Fund a four-year uh, plan where we um, use four-year contract terms across all our contracts. So new contract terms begin in the three years following the SAP. So Group A, you'll see the contracts for that year for for. Uh, next year in upcoming in those areas. Um, so the structure supports more effective service coordination across DOS and our service provider network. It helps us build a common understanding of our shared impact on the lives of older people and adults with disabilities in the city. But it also offers certainty for service providers in the length of their contract term, supporting their ability to build up programs over the course of the term and prepare for new proposals. They know when new proposals will be coming out, procurements. So this basically is uh, just a visual of the structure. So you can see where the terms are, where there's th activities going on at, at um, different times. So we're in fiscal year 22-23. You can see the SAP is, was completed. And then we'll start four-year contract terms next year. So the key, prior, key priorities um, for the upcoming cycle. 
So these are the key priorities that were identified that from the Dignity Fund community needs assessment and just for refresher, those that are new, the completed Dignity Fund needs assessment was brought to commission um, in April with the joint hearing with the Oversight and Advisory Committee. Uh, the commission approved it in May and it was brought to the Board of Supervisors by Director Dearman in June of last year. Um, so just to uh, run through the key priorities and the recommendations for DOS. So first, improve service awareness, navigation, and connection. DOS should support consumers and service providers to develop awareness of the diverse range of DOS services, understand how to learn more about services, and access desired services. Next, promote inclusion of seniors and adults with disabilities in the broader city community. DOS should bring community and other city departments um, other city agency stakeholders together to improve their sensitivity and responsiveness to the needs of seniors and adults with disabilities. Next, ensure consumers citywide city have multimodal service access service access, sorry. DOS should locate service sites strategically and support hybrid services in infrastructure across programs so that consumers living in all parts of the city, including the outer districts, may utilize needed services across delivery modes. Next, boost service engagement for adults with disabilities. DOS should employ strategies to enhance service connection among adults with disabilities while keeping in mind the particular, particular needs and preferences of this population. Next, provide equitable, culturally inclusive, and affirming services for BIPOC and LGBTQ people. DOS should continue to provide high quality, intersectional, and culturally responsible services to clients of all backgrounds and life circumstances, with particular attention to people belonging to BIPOC and LGBTQ communities. Next, use data to support service planning, delivery, and continuous quality improvement. DOS should conduct robust data collection of service utilization and client outcomes to support a data-informed process for service design, implementation, evaluation, and continuous quality improvement. And enhance system coordination across city and community partners. DOS should support bo both formal and informal community provider partnerships at the neighborhood and supervisory district levels and with other city agencies serving other older adults and adults with disabilities to enhance the quality, reach, and impact of services. And lastly, strengthen community-based service provider infrastructure. DOS should reinforce and strengthen the infrastructure of community-based agencies to improve the quality, reach, and impact of services. So these findings of recommendations um, are what informed the development of the service and allocation plan. 
So the city is required to increase its contribution to the Dignity Fund by $3 million each year um, during this funding cycle. So the Dignity Fund will grow by $12 million over this current funding cycle to bring the baseline to $71 million. About 7.6 of that uh, amount will cover the mandatory COD or cost of doing business, which is in line with city practice for other um, special funds. That means DOS will, will direct the remaining $4.4 million to advance our key priorities over the period. Uh, let's see, so this um, shows a slide of anticipated, actual and anticipated funding, and I just want to point out that um, the budgets are just rounded to for simplicity and ease of reading. Um, so DOS has estimated a funding range needed to support the strategies we have identified to advance our key priorities and satisfy mandatory costs by service area and they're summarized in the, in the table. This ranged approach, approach allows us to be nimble and responsive to unanticipated or rapidly emerging needs, particularly later in the funding cycle when political and or economic conditions and also future data analysis and evaluation work may result in newly identified needs and areas. Consistent with current practice, DOS will work with the Dignity Fund Oversight and Advisory Committee to finalize exact dollar amounts in the funding allocation annually prior to initiating the procurement process corresponding to that year's funding. And just some, in, some information on tracking progress and measuring success. So tracking program deliverables and service outcomes is critical to ensure that the Dignity Fund is achieving its intended impact in the community and making best use <coughs> of available resources. The Dignity Fund legislation directs DAS to develop a service and allocations plan that is outcomes oriented and focuses on measurable objectives, as well as provide for evaluation on a regular basis. Building on our ongoing efforts to ensure robust data collection across our service network and to use data to inform continuous quality improvement, equity considerations, and other policy and program decisions, DAS established a coordinated multi-part framework for performance measurement and outcome evaluation in the prior funding cycle. So DAS uses a three-part framework for tracking outcomes and evaluating Dignity Fund services. So the elements are the annual data and evaluation report, and this provides an annual fiscal year snapshot of service and outcome performance. Uh, it helps uh, develop shared context across the DOS service network and an opportunity to share progress, identify areas for work, and build momentum. Secondly, the focus area reports, often referred to as deep dives, um, which is the opportunity to examine trends and select programs 
for example, we did a deep dive in legal, service and, uh, legal services. And also to explore uh, topic areas of interest, for example, caregiver needs. And lastly, the cycle and evaluation report, which can evaluate the impact of cycle investments and initiatives over the four-year cycle. <coughs> I think that's it. If there's questions or comments that I can address. Thank you very much um, for that presentation. And are there questions from the commission? Yes. Um, that was a great presentation. Thank you. Um, and I have a question. Uh, I live in the Bayview, and I um, spend a lot of time in the Western Edition, or the Filmo, as we say. Yeah. Um, and so this question of service delivery, you know, culturally relevant service delivery uh, in those communities that are historically black, um, is a very complicated one, and so I think I saw in your process that you're doing a needs assessment in the beginning, so I imagine that all the different ways that you might touch people in those mm -hmm. um, communities will be, you know, figured out in the course of that, but could you talk about that? Yeah. I could see so many gaps uh, in both places. Uh-huh. Sure. Um, I'll also, um, in, in case you're not aware, share with Ravi where you can find the complete Dignity Fund Community Needs Assessment if you have not had an opportunity to look at that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but during the, that process, we do, we do a number of various ways of collecting information. We do, it was a little tricky last year with COVID. Uh, we like to do in-person community forums. And we were able to do four of those. We also did a, a virtual forum in each supervisory district. Um, we do a, a survey, a written survey, um, that people can fill out either in writing or online or via telephone. Um, we, what else did we do? Am I missing anything? But we did a number, there's a number of different um, avenues which are all out outlined in the community needs assessment. So then we take that information. We also did specifically, uh, since you mentioned the African American community, um, prior to, during the needs assessment year, uh, uh, a, a focus group specifically um, for BIPOC communities. So that in also informed the needs assessment and this plan. And during the needs assessment process, we also did a number of focus groups um, with focused on specific areas, either language, cultural, ethnicity, area, various things. So, but I encourage you to take a look at that and, 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 just and if a, you have any other questions, feel free to ask. Well, just a quick follow-up, because I'm thinking, you know, if you, were you using, because I, I find it hard to get information out and get people to show up. Um, uh, and so I'm wondering if you were also using, you know, non-traditional places like churches or, mm -hmm. you know, uh, houses of worship, things like that. Yeah. Um, and when we kind of tried to draw people into the process, we went through, you know, the churches, community organizations, neighborhood groups, the, the, the supervisors and asked them to send it out to their constituents, um, email blasts, word of mouth, you know, whatever method we could think of. We, we depended a lot on our service provider working group to spread the word out into the community to both, um, and that involves both contracted providers as well as other members of the community. So we are always also 
open to other ideas people have for us to get the information out because that's Great. really thank you. We want to get as broad a representation as possible. Okay, thanks. Chair, sure, Commissioner Lum. Good morning. Uh, I really appreciate the effort you guys put forth to uh, assess and, and identify you know, the need within our communities, but I don't see any emphasis whatsoever in trying to reduce that need. Just because you're a senior doesn't mean that you cannot work. Just, just to, because to you're disabled you doesn't say? mean that you cannot work. So what I'm saying is that uh, are we looking at any kind of program that, you know, that can assist those who are currently in need to get off the need? Mm. So yes, you mentioned specifically people who may want to work, and we do have a, a couple of um, work programs. We have a reserve program, which um, provides the opportunity for older adults and adults with disabilities to find gainful and meaningful employment in the community. We partner with the Human Service Agency Jobs Now, um, th that program to try to work together. We have a Work Matters Collaborative with various, um, with HSA Jobs Now, as well as community-based organizations to help, you know, figure out ways to reach out to employers to help um, for provide job opportunities for people. We have, um, you know, we have a peer ambassador program which actually employs peers to, to provide information in their uh, communities, uh, supportive employment uh, programs, a workforce support program. So we, we do have some programs to help people, you know, who still want to work or need to work or just, you know. Thank you. Welcome. Just a follow-on to that, is that then, are those programs covered under Group A, B, or C, or where would those be, the ones the from employment a jobs program? Yeah, the employment programs. I believe are, Group A, so you will be seeing, um, You'll be seeing some of them, not the research program, but the others coming up in the next fiscal year for your approval. So that's considered community connection and engagement? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Sure. Okay. Other questions? Uh, Commissioner? Actually, I, I just have a comment. I just want to uh, compliment uh, you and staff for the excellent work done to get us to this stage of the allocation plan. Uh, I've been... Uh, providing oversight to the entire process. And I just have to say, there's just been some excellent work done to get us to this place. And that the um, um, service and allocation plan, the process was excellently done. Uh, a draft form was shared with uh, the community, the service provider, worker group, provide excellent feedback. You brought it to the um, oversight committee, which President Knudsen and I are members of, and we we got feedback from from and took that feedback seriously and did, a re did revisions of the plan and got us now to this point. So I just want to say there's a lot of work, behind the scene work that's maybe not obvious to everyone here. And I just want to say uh, I, I, I've been involved and I see it and I really appreciate uh, all the work that's been involved. Uh, this is going to provide us an excellent roadmap, roadmap, roadmap to mm -hmm. get us forward, to move us forward. To, to uh, be able to meet the needs of our community. So thank you. Thank you, we all appreciate hearing that. Thank you. Thank you. I have just one follow-on question, um, and this is just to remind 
us or me. Um, how do we close the gap for the total funding? Like we have the dignity fund funding of 62 million and then we have a total budget of 96 in the program. Where do those other dollars come from? Um, I'm sorry, I didn't really hear the whole question. Oh, sorry. Um, I've never been told to be quiet. That was quiet. But. <laughs> so if, I, if I'm following the numbers correctly, um, the full budget for the community programs are $96 million, if I was listening earlier. And the Dignity Fund funding is $62 million. How is that delta covered uh, in the budget? I'm not sure I can totally answer and if somebody else wants to, but are you referring to what Adithi and Director Dearman presented, that mm -hmm. amount? Uh, so not all of the area plan is Dignity Fund eligible, but some of the area plan funding would be included to cover Dignity Fund um, services, those that are eligible under the Dignity Fund. Um, the, the total DOS budget was that 430 yes. plus million. So. It's a, it's a process by which we have very skilled budget analysts that help us figure out you know, where the money is, where it's coming from, and, and different funding mechanisms have different re requirements from us in terms of what we can spend on and how we um, report it and that sort of thing, which when we present to you, we often will say this is from this you know, this area plan funds, this is such and such. So this this plan that we just covered is for the $62 million of the Dignity Fund, or 23-24, is that correct? I'm Hi, Commissioners. Again, Aditi Valor with the, the planning unit. Um, with the caveat that I'm not a budget expert, <laughs> the, the distinction that you're seeing in the services and allocation plan is that we are referring to the Dignity Fund baseline, mm -hmm. which is what you're calling out, that $62 million. We add $3 million each successive year that gets newly baselined Correct. and sort of saved, preserved for us to use moving forward. In the services and allocation section of this report, we are describing all funding for Dignity Fund eligible services because we wanted to give you a holistic picture of the budget landscape that characterizes services that we're planning for. Because for, for DAS, you know, it's important for us to know the different revenue sources, whether it's Dignity Fund baseline, whether it's supplemental general funding, whether it's state or federal funds through the Older Americans Act. Um, but we strategize in a more holistic way. And so we wanted to give you the holistic number. So that $96 million accounts for all revenue sources, not just Dignity Fund baseline. Okay. Um, and the budget team, I think, was able to present at the Oversight and Advisory Committee um, last month to, to walk through some of these right. basics. And um, maybe that's a, a presentation that yeah, we can no, pass along. Yeah, no, I remember the number from... I, I'm a numbers person. I remember the numbers from last, last for the budget, and so I'm just trying to connect the dots yeah. of the Dignity Fund dollars, and then I always forget, quite frankly, of where the other dollars come from to close that gap. Yeah. So thank you for reminding Thanks. me. <laughs> thank you. Any other questions? Um, Commissioner. With commissioners. Yes. Can I make one comment? Um, just so that we can be totally transparent, um, there is a requirement that the city fund um, the Dignity Fund at $3 million each year, unless um, the projected deficit is above the de deficit threshold. So 
Um, and this will be a year where, you know, I've been able to get sit through this whole meeting without having to talk about the budget. But this will be a year when, um, when the projected um, deficit, the shortfall in the budget is going to be higher than um, what we had hoped. And so at the moment, the um, Dignity Fund will not be funded um, in the coming year. So I just... It is a requirement that it happen unless all these other things happen. Right. All the other things have happened, so it is not going to Okay, so you're reading my mind. That's exactly where I was <laughs> going. I was trying to be, yes, thank you. Hmm? Thank you for hmm. that transparency. Yeah, sure. I think we all have read the press about yeah. where the city is and from a budget perspective, so this helps close the gap of, of what we will be looking at later. So thank you very much for that. Um, Secretary, any um, public comments? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on the Dignity Fund Services and Allocation Plan? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on the Dignity Fund Services and Allocation Plan, uh, FY 2023-24 to FY 2026-27 funding cycle presentation. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Yes, there's one caller. Okay, please pass them through. Caller, welcome. You have three minutes. Commissioners, again, we are broadly talking about quality of life issues. And when you listen to a presentation, anyone can give a presentation. We need outcomes as has been presented by this last presenter. Somebody has done a needs assessment, but they haven't done a thorough needs assessment. I have been working as an advocate for 40 years. So I speak to the poor. I ask them questions. I feed them. If possible, I give them housing. So I know because of the pandemic, more because of the pandemic, thousands of poor people are suffering and slowly dying while people are making presentations. None of these people go to the camps. And when you take the elders and the aging and join them with the San Francisco Public Health Department, that's going to a mess. Y'all had a director, McFarlane. They, they, they got her involved in the homelessness and all this BS going on. In the end, she came to the Board of Supervisors and said, this cannot be done. And it cannot be done because even as you're tr somebody is trying to do it, they're moving the, they're moving the ball. They're, they're not addressing what they need to focus on. We need to focus on the elderly, focus on the, the disability people, 
and don't mix them with the with uh, with the uh, with the bigger picture of addiction and the Katashwa flooding our uh, city with uh, all sorts of drugs. So y'all need an orientation, and only a commander from FEMA who understands emergency management can give you this orientation. Y'all need an orientation. Caller, you have 30 seconds left. Workforce. This is a, a, about wraparound services. You, you don't tell your grandmother, you know, if she's, she has dementia, oh, you know, mama, I'm going to train you to do some work. That's not a problem. The people who are dying need services, in-home care, which y'all are not providing. Okay, thank you, caller. That was your three minutes. Okay. Any other public comment? Do we have any other callers in the queue? And there are no more callers. Thank you. We can go to the vote. Oh, no. No vote. No. <laughs> Thank you so much for okay. the presentation and Thank the information. You. Hearing no further requests to speak on this item, we'll close public comment. Commissioners, items 14C, oh, I think it's actually 13C through 13K or action it's, it's items. It's wrong, actually. It's 15, believe it or not. <laughs> We're on 15? It's wrong on both places. All right. <laughs> I'll get it right. 15C through 15K are action items that require a vote by the commission. Requesting a vote by the commission to reappoint, um, the first one is to, to reappoint uh, Tia Smalls to the DOS Advisory Council. Commissioners will indicate if they wish to comment on this item by raising their hand. Any comment on this particular item? Any comment from commissioners? Mr. Secretary, are there any public comments who wish to comment on the reappointment of T.S. Malls? Is there any members of the public that would like to comment on the, the vote to the commissioners to reappoint T.S. Mall to the DOS Advisory Council? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comments on the review and approval of T.S. Small being reappointed. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Uh, no callers? Okay, thank you, moderator. And that concludes public comment. Sure. Uh, that concludes the members of the public that wish to address the commission under this item. Hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion um, to approve um, T.S. Malls for the DOS Advisory Council? I move. Thank you, Commissioner Bittner. Is there a second? Second. <laughs> Commissioner Scalar is a second. <laughs> Mr. Secretary, please take a, a roll call vote. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Thank you, Secretary. Commissioners, item 15D is requesting a vote by the commission to reappoint Dr. Marcy Edelman to the DOS Advisory Council. Please indicate, commissioners, if you have, if you would like to comment on this item. Don't see any comments, um, <clears throat> Mr. Secretary. Do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on the reappointment of Dr. Marcy Edelman for the DOS Advisory Council? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment to the commission on the reappointment of Dr. Marcy Edelman? 
moderator, please open the phone line for public comment and the review for uh, Dr. Marcy Edelman to the Advisory Council. We allow some time for callers to submit their request. Uh, there are no callers in the, in the queue. Thank you. Okay. Hearing no further comment uh, for public comment, is there a motion to approve uh, Dr. Marcy Edelman for the DOS? So moved. Um, Commissioner Scalar, and may I have a second? Second. Second from Commissioner Jung. Mr. Secretary, please take a roll call vote for item D. Vice President Janice Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Thank you. Commissioners, item 15E is requesting a vote by the commission to reappoint Ann Warren to the DOS Advisory Council. Commissioners, will you indicate if you have a comment on this particular item? I do not see any. Uh, Mr. Secretary, do we have any public, anyone from the public who wishes to comment on the, uh, to reappoint Ann Warren to the DOS Advisory Council? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on the vote to the commission to reappoint Ann Warren to the DOS Advisory Council? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment for to reappoint Ann Warren to the DOS Advisory Council. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? There are no callers. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hearing no uh, further comment to um, speak on the item and closing public comment, may I have a motion uh, to approve Ann Warren to the DOS Advisory Council? So I move. So, um, Commissioner Bittner. Uh, first and uh, second by Commissioner Young, Jung. Um, Mr. Secretary, please take a roll call vote for item. Vice President Janice Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Okay. Commissioners, our next order of business is agenda item F, um, a vote by the commission. This is requesting authorization to modify an existing grant agreement with Felton Institute for the provision of long-term care ombudsman program during the period of April 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2023 in the additional amount of $23,661 plus a 10% contingency for a revised amount not to exceed $3,520. $20,507. Uh, um, Melissa McGee will present this item. Welcome back. Thank you. Melissa McGee, Program Manager with the Office of Community Partnerships. Um, I'm seeking your approval today to modify the existing grant agreement with the Felton Institute for the Long-Term Care Ombudsman Program. The Ombudsman Program received an additional allocation from the California Department of Aging in their fiscal year 22-23 area plan. The long-term care ombudsman program assists residents of skilled nursing and assisted living, also known as board and care facilities, to address care concerns and complaints and provides education and advocacy. The funding in this budget modification will support salary increases to the existing ombudsman staff, as well as a slight adjust adjustment in operating costs. There are no changes to the Appendix A or scope of services. I request your approval for this budget modification. Any questions or comments I can answer? Are there any questions um, from the commission? 
don't see any uh, questions. Um, Mr. Secretary, can you ask for any uh, public comment on this item? Are there any members of the public that like, would like to comment on agenda item F? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item F. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Uh, there are no callers. Thank you. Okay, hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion? So moved by uh, Commissioner Jung. May I have a second? Second. And uh, second by Commissioner Lum. Mr. Secretary, please take a roll call vote for item E. I mean, by G as in Jordan. Oh, sorry. F. F. E F G. Yes. Item F. <laughs> Thank you. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yeah. Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Okay. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you. I'm going to the next item, and I believe after F comes G. <laughs> we make sure I have this right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Correct. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm too many pages. Okay, the next item on the agenda is item G. This is requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with self-help for the elderly for the provision of health insurance counseling and advocacy program, HICAP, during the period of April 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2024 in the additional amount of $36,405 plus a 10% contingency for the total grant amount not to exceed $1,690,548. And Erica uh, Maybaum will present this item. Hi, good morning. Good morning, Director Dearman, Vice President Spears and Commissioners. My name is Erica Maybaum and I'm a program analyst for the Office of Community Partnership. The item before you today is a request to approve a budget modification for self-help for the elderly's health insurance counseling and advocacy program, also known as HICAP. Before going into the details of the modification, I just wanted to share a little bit about the program itself. The HICAP program assists individuals and families in understanding their health insurance benefits, options, and rights. The services are targeted to people that have reached Medicare eligibility age or are soon to be eligible. HICAP is the primary local source for accurate and objective information and assistance with Medicare benefits, prescription drug plans, and health plans in general. They offer free, unbiased, one-on-one -on -one assistance from health insurance counselors who are trained by self-help for the elderly and are registered and certified by CDA, the California Department of Aging. Um, since COVID, both in-person and over-the-phone counselings have been available. They also conduct workshops, uh, outreach events, including partnering with nonprofit organizations, coalitions, and low-income clinics. HICAP offers services in numerous language, languages in addition to having access to the language line like all DOS contracts do. In-house, they can offer support in Chinese, Filipino, Spanish, and Korean. HICAP meets, must meet state and federal performance benchmarks in terms of clients served, outreach events, as well as counselors trained and certified to assist clients. 
The budget modification before you today is relatively small in the amount of $36,405. $33,076 of those dollars is for cost of doing is a cost of doing business increase, which self-help proposes to allocate to the program assistants, program manager, and director of program positions. The remaining $3,329 is allocated for uh, brochure, office supplies, and gas for vehicles used during outreach. There are no changes to the Appendix A in terms of deliverables from this budget modification. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. Thank you for the presentation. Are there any questions by the Commission? Okay. Um, are there any comments from the public? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item G? Moderator, please open the phone lines for public comment on agenda item G. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Uh, there are no callers. Thank you. That concludes member, members of the public in which, that wishes to address this item. Hearing no further comments, is there a motion? I move. Second. <laughs> Commissioner Bittner and the Commissioner Scalar moved in second. Uh, Mr. Secretary, will you please take a roll call vote? Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Uh, before we go to our next, real quick. Hmm? your video off of your WebEx. You can, there should be a little thing that says like stop video. See it? I thought you were off already, but they asked me to. Um, see, now you asked me to do something beyond my skill set. Oh, you know what? Okay, I, can no, I, can. <laughs> I can do it actually. Huh? No, I, I can't. I thought I could, but. Is that better? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Ooh, stretch. Okay, <laughs> commissioners, our next order of business is agenda item H, uh, requesting authorization to enter into a new grant agreement with Brilliant Corners for the provision of scattered site housing and rental subsidy administration, SSHRSA, during the period of July 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2027, in the amount of $13,669,628 dollars plus a 10% contingency for the total amount not to exceed $15,036,591. And once again, we'll have Melissa McGee present this item. Hello Welcome again. again. <laughs> uh, before I start, I just want to point out that there's typo on page one of the Appendix A in the first section, purpose of grant. It, uh, it indicates the name of DAS incorrectly which I'll correct on the finalized Appendix A. Thank you. Um, so I'm here today to ask your approval to enter into contract with Brilliant Corners for a four-year term to administer the Scattered Site Housing and Rental Subsidy Program. This program is funded under the Community Living Fund, providing housing options for residents of skilled nursing facilities and individuals in the community at risk for institutionalization in facilitating independent community living for its participants. The scattered site 
and re rental subsidy program uses a person-centered approach to provide rental unit identification, rental subsidies, tenant landlord liaison services, housing retention, well-being inspections, and coordination of unit modifications and repairs. Participants receiving services under this contract must meet eligibility for the Community Living Fund program. The Community Living Fund program works closely and collaboratively with this grantee participating in the integrated housing meeting to facilitate coordination of transitions to community living. Objectives of the scattered site housing program are to locate the most appropriate housing for participants transitioning from institutions or to prevent institutionalization and for that housing to provide a stable long-term living situation. I request your approval to enter into this contract. Thank you. Are there any questions or comments? Um, I just want to say I'm really pleased that we're doing this program, and I think it's, it's really needed because on a state, on a local and state, and at a new level, I'm bit busy with people getting institutionalized as the housing and like getting people into housing, so I just want to commend everyone. Thank you, Commissioner Bittner, for that comment. Any other comments from the commission? I just had sure. Just some brief comments. Um, I just want to say this is one of the most uh, well-written Appendix A that I've <laughs> read in a while. I was very impressed with uh, the comprehensive description of the requirements of the services. In terms of the nature of the services, I really um, appreciate um, a lot of collaboration and cooperation between the d different organizations to uh, address these needs. And lastly, um, the listing under continuous quality improvements, um, I think those items are gonna really help make this uh, work successful. So I just wanna say excellent work done on this contract. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Any other comments from the commission? Um, Secretary, are there any public comments? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item H? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item H. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Do we have any callers in the queue? And there are no callers. Thank you. Thank you. Hearing no further comments, is there a motion? I move. Okay, Commissioner Bittner. And a second by Commissioner Jung. Mr. Secretary, will you please take a roll call uh, vote for item H? Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Squire had to be excused to leave early. So she just left. So we have a unanimous vote. Thank you so much. Commissioners, our next item of business is agenda item I and also requires a vote by the commission. Um, 
are you coming back? Yeah. <laughs> You're not leaving? I just hey. I'd stay. <laughs> We're requesting authorization to enter into a new grant agreement with the Institute on Aging for the provision of Community Living Fund program during the period of July 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2027 in the amount of $20,682,072 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $22,750,279,000. And once again, we have Melissa McGee who will present this item. Hello again. Uh, so I'm here today to ask your approval to enter into contract with the Institute on Aging, IOA, for the Community Living Fund program for the next four years, beginning July 1st of this year. The Community Living Fund program provides case management and purchase of services to older adults and adults with disabilities who are making the transition from skilled nursing facilities to community living or individuals in the community who are at risk for institutionalization. The Community Living Fund was created by the city in July 2006, developed so that older adults and adults with disabilities could access services and supports to live independently in the community, rather than an institutional setting. The Community Living Fund is a payer of last resort, thereby providing services not provided by other means. The Community Living Fund program enables eligible older adults and adults with disabilities to remain safely in their homes as long as possible. It provides financial support for community-based long-term care and supportive services. It offers flexible wraparound services. It facilitates the development of service delivery models to strengthen community-based supports. And it expands, not supplants, existing funding. Priority for these services is given to residents of Laguna Hana Hospital and Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital. The program works collaboratively with DAS and the intake unit to facilitate referrals to the program. The CLF program has two additional initiatives. The Public Guardian Housing Fund supports CLF eligible participants with access to housing subsidies and move-related costs. And the Enhanced Care Management Program provides services to San Francisco Health Plan members who meet CLF program eligibility. This program is through the CalAIM, the California Advancing and Innovating Medi-Cal State Initiative. IOA is the current provider of the CLF program along with community subcontractors. With your approval, we will, we will enter into this contract with the Institute on Aging to operate the CLF program for the next four years. And just for your information, at the May Commission meeting, I will be presenting the most recent CLF six-month report, as well as a CLF annual plan for the upcoming fiscal year. Um, I request your approval to enter into this contract. Thank you. Any questions? Chair um, Ms. McGee, I noticed for this contract that uh, we do utilize subcontractors. Mm -hmm. um, that would be Catholic Charities, Connor House, and South Health for the Elderly. Can you kind of um, just say briefly what their roles will be? Oh, so they provide case management services. They also? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Any other comments from the Commission? Are there any public comments? Is there anybody in the public that would like to comment? on agenda item I. 
Moderator, please open the phone line for public comments on agenda item I. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Do we have any callers in the queue? No? Thank you so much. Okay. Hearing no further comment to speak on this item, is there a motion? I move. Uh, moved by Commissioner Jung. May I have a second? second. And second by Commissioner Lum. Um, Mr. Secretary, will you please take a um, roll call vote? Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? No. Commissioner Linda Parker-Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jean, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you, every unanimous vote. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. You sure you're leaving? <laughs> done today. <laughs> All right. Commissioners, the next order of business is um, agenda item J and requires a vote by the commission. It is, we are requesting authorization to enter into a new contract agreement with the Institute on Aging for the operation of a high-risk self-neglect multidisciplinary team, HRSN-MDT, and an elder and disabil disabled death review team, EDDRT, during the period of April 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2025, in the amount of $561,199, plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $617,319. Ben Sesito, did I get that even close? We'll present this item. Please tell me how to pronounce your name. I'm sorry. Ben Sesdedos. Sesdedos. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, commissioners, Director Dearman. We're requesting authorization to enter a new grant agreement with the Institute on Aging, which uh, would operate and facilitate adult protective services, high-risk self-neglect multidisciplinary team, and the elder and disabled death uh, review team. Um, they would provide coordinated preventive and remedial services to older adults and adults with disabilities uh, who are victims of abuse. Through this grant agreement, we will continue to develop interagency treatment strategies to ensure maximum access to and coordination with existing community resources on behalf of victims of abuse and to avoid duplication of efforts. This is a partnership with agencies such as hospitals, the fire department, Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing, Department of Public Health, Police Department, DA's office, APS, Office of the Public Guardian, uh, Medical Examiner, and other community-based organizations and relevant professionals uh, deemed integral to these teams. Thank you. Are there any questions from the commission? Are there any public comments? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item J? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comments on agenda item J. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? There are no callers. Thank you. Thank you. Hearing no further comment um, from the public, is there a motion um, for this item? I move. Okay. Uh, Commissioner Bittner moves. May I have a second? Second from Commissioner Jung. Um, Mr. Secretary, will you please take a roll call vote for agenda item J? Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? 
Uh, Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Jung, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Thank you very much, Ben. Thank you. <clears throat> Commissioners, um, whew, where am I? Okay, I'm, I'm ready. Um, <laughs> our next item of business is um, agenda item K uh, that will require a vote by the commission. It is requesting authorization to enter into a new grant agreement with Community Living Campaign for the provision of transportation access programs during the period of April 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2025 in the amount of $177,750 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $195,525. Paulo Salto will present this item. Hello, welcome. Morning. <clears throat> Good morning, Commissioners, Executive Director Dearman. My name is Paula Salta, Acting Program Manager with the Office of Community Partnerships. As we know, transportation is a critical support for older adults and adults with disabilities to access essential services, medical care, and visit family and friends. Having reliable and affordable transportation allows this population to, to thrive in their homes and communities. On top of the common challenges with transportation, San Franciscans who are older and living with disabilities face increased barriers, including lack of seating at bus stops, steep terrain to get to destinations and stops, onerous transfers, and costs that constrain the budget of those on a fixed income. In 2020, Community Living Campaign worked with the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency, SFMTA, to fill an unmet need for better transportation options for our population. Folks cite personal safety, carrying bags and heavy items, and taking trips that are too difficult via standard public transit as their primary reasons for needing transportation subsidies. This program would, would pay the 20% rider contribution of the Essential Trip Card, a new low-cost taxi program offered by SFMTA, as well as other existing paratransit options. This will leverage the SFMTA's 80% contribution and provide no-cost taxi and van rides to older adults and adults with disabilities. This program has shown a tremendous impact. Program participants were surveyed and 100% reported that the program has helped them get to medical appointments and procedures. 58% uh, report that the healthcare service were their most frequent trip destination. 97% report that the program has helped them get healthy food. And 100% report that the program helped them maintain or improve their health and emotional well-being. Given the success and impact, district supervisors allocated funding for this service through the Board of Supervisors ADBAC process. We are very happy to establish this program under the department. The Transportation Access Program will continue the services that were previously provided, which include providing transportation subsidies for riders with SFMTA's ETC and paratransit services, transportation support by helping participants navigate available transit options, assist with applications for transit programs, and check in if additional subsidies are needed, and outreach so that the target population and organizations serving them are aware of this program. Uh, the language capacity for this program will be English, Cantonese, Mandarin, and Spanish. I seek your authorization for this new grant agreement, and I'm open to answering any questions you may have. Um. I just want to say this is another really needed program. 
I'm as bad as I'm. As I'm a stalker's dad. Muni as I like getting back to house. You know, safe house. I'm very, very excited that we're doing this program. Thank you, Commissioner. Thank you, Commissioner Bittner. Other comments from the Commission? Seeing none. Are there any public comments? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item K? Moderator, please open the phone lines for public comment on agenda item K. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? There are no callers. Thank you. Commissioners, um, oh, sorry. Motion. I know. I'm going there. <laughs> hearing, no, <laughs> hearing no future, hearing no further comments to speak on the item and no public comment. Is there a motion to approve? I move. Commissioner Bittner uh, uh, moves. May I have a second? Second. Second from Commissioner. Uh, Parker Pendleton, a second from Commissioner Partner P Pendleton. Ooh. Mr. Secretary, will you please take a roll call vote? Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Uh, thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Thank you, and thank you very much for the presentation. Commissioners, our next item of business is, um, are there any announcements for, from the commission? I just wanted to say thank you for approving, uh, reappointing our three new members, our three members. They're all invaluable members of the advisory council, so thank you. Thank you. Are there any other announcements? Okay, um, I will say we're adjourning this meeting. All right. Thank you, everyone. Do we need to reopen uh, the nomination committee meeting, or shall we just uh, do it by phone later on? We'll do it by phone later. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, oh, also one more thing. Is it possible? Uh, yeah, especially yeah. when uh, committee.